0: So, missions impact. I am so excited. I've been looking forward to these few weeks um, for a long time to come. And actually, our missionary guests that are here with us today, uh, we were working to schedule this Sunday almost a year ago was our first email. When I knew that they were coming back to the States, I said, would you please come to Essence Place? Because I want the church to meet you. And so it's such an honor to have them with us here. But I wanna share a couple of things before I hand it over to them, just as a way of celebrating. And in a couple of weeks, we have missionaries this Sunday, next Sunday, and then the third Sunday. I'm gonna share even more details, but some things as I was looking back and reflecting on your um, trusting of God in the area of of missions and mission support, um, I was just kind of blown away by what God has done over the last year. You know, uh, COVID created challenges for us doing outreach and serving opportunities. And so while that has looked different, one thing that has remained consistent is your giving of support and prayer Two missionaries, and so over the last year, um, because of faith promises, faith commitments that you made a year ago, um, many of you that communicated how much you were targeting a goal to give over a year's time, every single person that communicated that exceeded the amount of what they were looking to give within a year's time, which is so awesome. And then one of the things that um, I, I was so I so appreciated is we had nine missionaries or missionary projects that we were able to partner with and support. And so some of those are things focused toward church planting. Some of those things are focused toward um, urban renewal and development. Some of those are um, literal traditional missionaries that you would think of that we're partnering with and we're giving to monthly. But I was so excited about it when I looked at it because it just reminded me of what God does that in in the support of this type of missions work— None of that is directly connected to Essence Place for for us or for our benefit, but it's truly to serve others in places that we will never meet people, we'll never see their faces, we'll never know their names, and yet you guys are partnering together to do that. One of the things that um, blew me away was that we had... over $3,000 that was received um, specifically for missions. And then because of missionaries that we're partnered with, we gave over $4,000 out. So you guys gave through Essence Place over $3,000. And then through um, the commitments and and things that we were partnering with, we gave over $4,000 out of Essence Place. So it's pretty incredible just to see what God's doing in a young church, a small church, and how God just takes that and multiplies it. And so um, I am, yes, we can can clap for that. Amen. (laughs) Um, so you'll see on the screen, can you put the missionary pictures up there? So today um, we have the Woods with us. I'll introduce them in a minute. And then next Sunday we have the Vonarias who will be with us. And um, both amazing families and and what their uh, yes attitude is to God and how they've said yes to to serving um, with their whole lives committed to, to God. And you're going to hear that this morning through the Woods. Um, but one of the things I want to put in front of you is... Um, The uh, missions impact giving that you can already start um, praying about. There is a a place online if you go to our essenceplace.org/slash missions webpage. um, If you visit that page, there's a spot there for you to begin praying about how much God is asking you to give specifically toward missions over the next year. And so it may be something where you think about it and you're like, okay, I think uh, God's asking me to give this amount of money per month or maybe God's saying in a year's time to give this total amount. And so you just, you begin to pray about that. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll have a, on that third Sunday, we'll have a time where we uh, specifically respond to God. But if you already know, and God's like, put it in your heart, like you need a partner in this way with missions, go ahead and fill it out on that page and you can send it in. And then what that does in our Um, giving system is allows you to track it. So every time you give designated to missions, you'll get an update and you can see your progress through the year and you get to see the little bar. You know, you remember the the thermometer things, like when they do fundraisers? It's kind of like that, but it goes sideways. And so you get to watch it fill up as you um, give throughout the year. And so when we talk about making a missions impact, um, promise. What we're doing is we're saying, as God enables me, over the next year, I, I, by faith, am going to give this amount specific to missions. And so this is outside and above what would be like tithes, which is ten percent of your income, or or any other special giving that you like to do. This is specifically for the support of missions. And then this helps us as a church be able to um, take on more missionaries beyond just the list of missionaries that we're already supporting, like missionaries like the Woods. And so I'm going to invite you to come and um, As Stephanie comes, uh, Jeffrey and Stephanie, uh, they have three kids, and their kids are here with them this morning, and my kids are excited because we get to have lunch together um, as families after the service, but um, they serve on the island of Comoros, and um, I know you're going to help introduce them to that island, but um, they have uh, been serving there um, for some time, but just came back from four years uh, there on the island, and now they're back here in a season of support and fundraising, and so what they're doing here today, they're going to be visiting churches all over. And um, sharing about the work that God is doing through them and asking people, number one, to pray with them, but then also to financially partner. There's cards on the table that um, I want to encourage you to pick one up, take it with you, and put it wherever you put prayer reminders. So if that's on the bathroom mirror, um, it's on your desk at work or the refrigerator, put their face in front of you and begin praying for them. Stephanie, thank you so much. Can you show your appreciation to them?
1: Thank you so much. Pastor Brad for having us. Um, I think when we headed out about four years ago, you guys were just getting started. And so we met Pastor Kristen and Pastor Brad at some meetings, and it was exciting to get to know them and exciting about what they were doing in West Hartford. And so I've been able to watch through social media and just been with you guys kind of in spirit um, and excited for what God's doing here. So we are the woods. Um, Jeff and I went to Africa 15 years ago, We didn't know each other. We were single missionaries, and uh, God allowed us to meet. Jeff is actually from Manchester, Connecticut, just down the interstate here. He was born in Hartford. So um, anyways, this is home for him, so we're excited to be in West Hartford today. I'm actually from Texas, and I hope you can forgive me for that. But God brought us together in, uh, in Sudan, and we've been able to We got married and we've had our kids in Africa. They've all been born in Kenya. And so Africa is in our hearts. We love um, where God has called us. But we're specifically where we live is in Comoros. Nine years ago, we went to Comoros. It's in between Mozambique and Madagascar. You probably didn't know there is a little island nation there. Um, It is a Muslim nation, 99% Muslim. There are zero churches in Comoros and few believers Um, It's a little hot island, tropical island. It's beautifully horrible some days. My kids are constantly covered in black rock from the volcanic uh, lava rock that's all over the island. But um, it's wonderful. The part that is so heartbreaking about this place is there's just a very limited access to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Um, in the local language when we first got there, there were only two books of the Bible, and now we have eight books of the Bible translated into their heart language and four books that are in process. So we're super excited about that. So we live in a Muslim nation. We're there to see the church planted. What does that look like? It's illegal to be missionaries. It's it's okay for us to be Christians, but what does that look like? And So today, I'm just going to quickly walk you through eight steps to see what does it look like to um, to plant the church in a Muslim nation. And I think there's a slide that's going to come up here. Uh, so first, you got to go. So in 2012, we went to Comoros. And um, we went. It was just my husband and I, another team member. We had no legal way to stay in the country. We didn't know what God was going to have us do there, but we knew we were supposed to go. So we went. In 2015, God allowed us to open an English adult center. So that's how we get our visas, and our residencies there, is we have an English center. When we started... That year, we had six students and two teachers on our grand opening night. It was, it was so beautiful. Uh, small beginnings, right? But today in 2021, we have over 500 students that are coming through our school every year. And we're super excited. God has just given us an incredible reputation. We'd love to tell you more stories about that. And so if you want to hear more about the miraculous ways that God allowed us to open our business, we'd love to tell you after church at the back table. So first, you just have to go. Number two. This is the most important thing you could ever do. You have to spend time with Jesus. Islam is a dark religion. It's against God. It twists the truth into all kinds of different directions, and it binds people up. And there's nothing that Jeff or I have in our own power that can fight that. Only through spending time with Jesus and in his word and depending on Jesus does anything pierce the darkness, because Jesus is the only way that that can happen. And so... We've learned a lot, especially in the last four years, about just depending on Jesus and just waiting on him. When we stop and say, Jesus, I really can't do anything unless you do it, he meets us there every time. And that's what we've learned. We were able to, to join in with missionaries around the world, praying and fasting for 40 days in August of 2020, that that wonderful year, right? We got to join in in a prayer and fast for 40 days, just to see God break through in the Muslim world. We took time off of social media, we took time off of Netflix, we took time off of language learning and good things like that and we just stopped and we spent time with Jesus. And that sounds, that's such a actually quite a powerful statement. We just stopped. Spent time in the word. Spent time with Jesus. You know what he did? He brought six Muslims to our door. Knocked, they knocked on our door and said, "We want to study the Bible. We want to know more about Jesus." And God said, "Listen, this is my work. I'm the one who does it. You just be faithful." to what I've asked you to do, and I will bring people to you. And so that's what we've learned. Depend on Jesus. Wait on him. He'll show up every time. Number three, you have to learn language. You have to learn culture. If you're going to see a church planted in a, in a nation that speaks a different language than you. So we do that. We, we work hard on that. We learn the, the heart language of the people. Four, you got to tell people about Jesus. That's what we have to do. We're proclaimers. And so we bring it into our, our, our daily speech It's illegal for us us to be missionaries. It's not illegal for us to love Jesus, and we're thankful for that. So when we move into a neighborhood, we have a Jesus identity from the beginning. We say we're followers of Jesus when we introduce ourselves. They're Muslims. They're very religious people, so we can be very religious as well in their eyes and say, oh, yeah, when I was reading the Bible this morning, this is what God said to me. When I was praying, I heard this, or I was praying for you. We can bring that in all the time. Step five, and we're so excited about step five, right? That's when the angels rejoice. We've seen individual believers come to know Jesus. Muslims who have decided, Jesus is worth it. I want to follow him. He's forgiven me. He's sanctified me, or "He's, he's cleansing me. And so we are so excited that we've seen people come to faith. But this was a hard one for us. And as you can see, we're on this journey here. And the step, if you'll see, number six is highlighted because that's where we are in this process. But in step five, it was a little complicated because in a Muslim world, you have persecution and, and people don't trust each other. So we began to see a person come here and a person here and here, but they don't know each other and they don't trust each other. So we began to say, God, what? How do we bring a group together? Because we're not meant to serve Jesus alone. And that's why we get to gather here together today is because we don't serve Jesus alone. We get to encourage each other, walk through life together and, in, and be with each other when we go through the hard times. And so we wanted to see that group come together. And so God brought Farouk to our mind. And so uh, Farouk is a believer. He's been following Jesus for over 10 years. He's faced persecution. He stood strong. He just loves Jesus. And something unique about him is that he also loves people more than his fear of being caught. He He's open about his faith with Jesus. And so we asked him, Farouk, if we find people who are, or we lead people to Jesus or we find people who are interested in Jesus, can we bring them to you? And he said, yes. He was so excited about that. We discipled him for about six months. We brought um, people together after six months, and he's been leading this group now for the last nine months. On Friday at one o'clock, they meet in their, in a, another believer's house, and they study the word together, and they pray together, and we're so excited, but we know God's not going to stop there just with a group but he's going to plant his church in Comoros, and we can't wait till we get to come back and we see not only has he planted one church, but there's a a network of house churches in Comoros, and we don't even want to stop there because the gospel never stops with us. The good news of Jesus always goes forward, and the Comorian church, even though right now there's not one, there's going to be a step eight that the Comorian church not only is going to reach out to other Comorians, but they're going to also join with West Hartford and Essence Place in the global mission of seeing God's glory in the nations, and that his good news would go forth so that all can hear. Thank you so much. Here's my husband, Jeffrey.
2: Thank you. Amen. Good morning. It is a joy and a privilege to be with you guys. We love the church. We love the church. Whether you're online or you're with us in person, it is a joy and a privilege and an honor and an opportunity to be part of God's people. We love the church so much that we've left the U.S. to try and give Comorians this opportunity to have a church because we believe it's what God has for us. So we, we believe it's God's design for how we do life and how we do faith and how we live this out. We do it together. And so this morning, enjoy the privilege you guys have of being part of a community. It's not just a service, not just a building. It's a community that we're called out, we're called together. You guys are God's strategy for this neighborhood and for the nations, and we do it together. We get to be part of this church together, and so even nowadays with technology and, and things, um, to be to be online and to be part of a community, like we're figuring out how to do it differently, um, and God's with us, and God's gracious, and praise the Lord. We love that we get to be part of the church. Um, I grew up, if you go out onto Farmington Ave, you go two blocks that way, and then about 200 feet, three, uh, maybe 200 yards, maybe somewhere in but less than a mile, more than a foot. Uh, somewhere in there, there's another church called Prospect Bible Chapel. I'm not telling you all to leave here and go there, um, but that's where I grew up going to church. So I grew up a quarter of a mile from here uh, going to church until my family moved us to a church in Manchester uh, when I was eight. But I grew up my family was a, a second-to-last pew or second-to-last row. People we sat in the back. My mom would never let us sit in the front. Now my wife makes me sit in the front. But today we got row three, so praise the Lord, we're changing things up a little bit. Um, but I went from the second second-to-last row in that church to somehow being a missionary overseas, and our journeys are crazy. And I would never have guessed that um, because I was too intimidated to sit in the front row. And somehow God said, "Okay, now you're going to go on stage and talk to people." And so God has a sense of humor, and we love the Lord. Um, Um, But I want to share a a message with you this morning. I want to read out of the book of Numbers. Um, It's a story, Numbers chapter 13. Uh, And it's the story, Israel has gone, you've got Abraham, you've got Isaac, you've got Jacob, you get Joseph, uh, who gets sold into slavery, and then they end up uh, he ends up in Egypt. He ends up uh, redeeming or bringing down his brothers and his father, and then all of a sudden, time goes on, and they end up in slavery for years and years. And then they, God gives them Moses, and Moses is this deliverer, and he leads the people out of Israel, and they cross the Red Sea miraculously, and it's beautiful. And then they go through the wilderness, and they have shoes that don't wear out, and they have clothes that don't wear out, and they have bread and uh, and meat that just comes, and they. They have all their their, uh, provisions miraculously given by the Lord. And then they get to the Jordan River. And they're sitting at the Jordan River. They're they're camping, really. I love camping. Um, But they're camping at the Jordan River, and across the river is the promised land. Now, they've gone through the wilderness. This is a land that God has promised to Abraham from long ago. They've got it. They're there. They have to cross the river, and they have to take possession of the land. So their strategy is to send spies. They want 12 spies, one from each tribe, okay? And my wife and I get this because overseas, we are accused of being spies all the time. Like, we're in a Muslim nation. There's almost no Americans. They look at us, and they're like, CIA? I'm like, no. (laughs) FBI? No. (laughs) Military? I'm like, are you looking at me? Like, I'm short and stout. Like, there's nothing that says spy. Like... They would choose someone a little bit different if they wanted to do it. Um, unless I'm just in really good disguise, that's not true. But So we understand the whole spy thing. So they send out these spies. And now my wife and I are not spies. I'm telling you that if you're watching online, we are not spies. But I am bringing you back a report of a foreign land. And I am bringing you back a report of a promised land, okay? So listen, they, they go out, 12 spies... 40 days, they're on the other side of the Jordan, they come back, they cross the Jordan, and they give this report, all right? Listen to what they say, because there's very different accounts of what happens, okay? Numbers chapter 13, we're starting in verse 25, and we're going to read a little bit because I really like the story. Numbers 13, starting in verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large, and besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Quick interjection. All of those really difficult names to pronounce, just think enemies, okay? Simplified version, the enemies live everywhere, okay? Okay verse 30 But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said Let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it Then the men who had gone up and with him said We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Chapter 14, verse 1. Then all the congregation lot raised a loud cry. The people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt! Or would that we had died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. And said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, "The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into the land and give it to us—a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear. For the people of do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them." Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones, but the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Amen. I love, I love the detail in the story. Like, so first, the whole, you get the whole story, and then the, the climax. The end of the story is, and the people picked up stones to stone them. But that's not really the climax, although at this point it's gone horribly wrong. But then the glory of the Lord appears. Hallelujah for the glory of the Lord appearing and God having his way. But you have all these things, all these descriptions. And I think this has two key things for us as we look at the Christian life or faith, as we look at church, and as we look at missions. And I just want to delve into them real quick. The first is purpose, and the second is perception or perspective. The first is purpose, and the second is perspective. God always has a purpose. Always. 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 These Israelites lost the purpose, and it affected everything. Friends, we have to hold on to the purpose of God. If you go back generations, you get Abram, who then became Abraham. And God said, I'm blessing you. I'm choosing you. I'm giving you this land. But I'm blessing you to be a blessing. He was blessed to bless. We are blessed to bless. We fall in the same lineage. We are given any gift the Lord gives us whether it be finances or worship or time or prayer or whatever the case may be, whatever we are given of the Lord, we are given it not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of this nation and the nations. You, Your salvation is beautiful. And each of our salvation stories are so different. But your salvation isn't the end. You're saved so that God through you can bless, so that God through you can save, so that God through you can accomplish his purposes and his kingdom can come in your family, in your community, in your workplace, in Connecticut, and across the world. I had no idea when God washed me from my sins what that would mean. And I have no idea what it will mean, but it's a fantastic journey that I love being a part of. But I know on good days anyway that I'm not the focus of the story. On bad days, my wife will tell you, I think I'm the focus of my own story. She, I'm, I'm not above that. There are days where I'm like, it's about me. And then my wife says, it's never about you. <laughs> the kids, they know that very well. It's not about dad. It's about each and every one of them. Um, but they are blessed for this. So then all of a sudden they get out of Egypt. They didn't get out of Egypt just for the redemption of Israel. They get out of Egypt for the redemption of the nation. So Israel could be who they were always supposed to be. And so they go through, they have all these journey in the wilderness and they go through the Red Sea and all these things and this miraculous work of the Lord and it's beautiful. And all of that prepares them for them to look at the Jordan, look at the promised land and go for it. And yet look at these 10 spies or these 12 spies. They, they go across and they come back with different reports. It's fascinating. Missions And Christian life must be rooted in purpose. It has to be. God's glory amongst the nations is the purpose. It's our motivation. My wife... She, she did a wonderful job explaining about life in Comoros, but she forgot to tell you how amazingly beautiful and wonderful this place is. Tropical island, 7,000-foot volcano sits in the middle. That thing's still active, and it still messes with your mind every once in a while. Um, beaches, just gorgeous. During COVID, our escape was we drove an hour to the north of the island. We had a 100-yard wide beach, um, palm trees, crystal blue ocean. We pay a dollar, and we had the beach to ourselves any day of the week, any month of the year. Brilliant. It's a great place to live. It's a great place to raise a family. But we are not there for beaches, although it's a benefit. (laughs) We are not there for the volcano, although it's a really fun adventure. We climb it almost every year. We camp at the top. It's fun. Um, We're not there for that. We are there because this place is spiritually captive. They are dark. They are enslaved. They are lost. They are completely without church and without the presence of the Lord through his people. That's why we go. It's not just that my wife and I grew up and we're like, what can we do for adventure? If that was true, the adventure would be staying in Manchester and figuring out what life looked like. We have gone only because God has asked us to go so that he can be glorified amongst this people group in which he's not glorified right now. It's why we exist. It's why we go. It's why we do what we do. The promised land was the purpose of God for these people. They had it. It was theirs to inherit God's gift for them. They had to cross. They had to receive. And I love the idea of inheriting a land or inheriting something, because when we inherit, we don't do a whole lot. Like, when I inherit something from someone in our system, often it's you outlived them, right? Like, you stay alive You stay alive long enough, you might inherit, if there's something to inherit. Um, but you done nothing. You didn't earn it. Well, these guys did nothing. They didn't earn it. Elsewhere in Scripture, why, why was Israel chosen? He, they were chosen because they were chosen. They were chosen because God chose them, because God loved them. They weren't bigger. They weren't better. They weren't better looking. They were just who God chose. I look at my life, and I'm like, I'm just who God chose. God chose me, hallelujah, praise the Lord, nothing I did to earn it. And you know what, when we inherit stuff, it's the same way. And we inherit the nations, it's what God has for us. These guys had the land, they didn't have to do anything to earn it. But then we, they had to go in and take possession of it, right? They actually had to cross, and then as soon as they crossed, they got Jericho, First week, I don't actually know if that's true, but it was Jericho very soon. I don't know the exact timing, but they went on, they got Jericho, big walls, they march around it seven times or whatever, seven days, the walls fall down with horns. Like, it's amazing. But they had to go in and they had to fight for the inheritance. And that's what we do still in missions. It's ours to inherit, but there's still work to be done. And when I say fight, I mean work hard. I mean we, we strive. I don't mean we actually go in with swords or anything like that. Um, but we work for it. We work. We don't give up. When you inherit what God has for you to inherit in your life or in your family or in your community, believe there's going to be work to do. The devil doesn't give things up easily, joyfully, gladly. He doesn't surrender quickly. So keep fighting. Keep battling for the salvation of your loved ones and your friends and your families and your children. Keep going because God has not given on you, on me, on Pastor Brad, on any of us. God is still battling. Persevere, stay the course, enjoy the course, and inherit what God has for you to inherit. We've got a friend, my wife mentioned him earlier, his name's Farouk. Farouk came to know the Lord back, I don't know, 2009, something like that. This guy was born in Comoros with a disability, um, which means he was born with shame. Okay? And they are an honor-shame culture. You do not bring shame on the family. He was born with this physical deformity. It brought shame on the family. When he was in middle school, high school, he got a trip to Kenya to see a, to a Christian hospital, saw a doctor, got surgery, corrected the deformity about as much as you could, went back home, had a decent life, um, or his life continued decently because this was fixed. Uh, while in Kenya, though, this little Kenyan nurse uh, just came and prayed over him every single day. Every single day. Knew he was Muslim, just didn't care. Said, I'm going to pray over you, that while you're here, God would just show you how much he loves you and who you are and who he is. She prays for a week, two weeks. He goes back to Comoros. Somewhere, a year, two years later, those prayers really just manifest in him saying, I want to see what God has for me. I want to see who I really am. I want to see who God really is. And so through that journey, he comes to faith. Friends, don't underestimate the slow roll of the gospel. There is a lot of times where you sow seeds today faithfully, and something wonderful bears fruit a year from now, 10 years from now, and that's not bad. That doesn't mean you did it wrong today. That means you did it faithfully today, and that was God's plan. Do not underestimate. Don't get discouraged, and in missions, guys, especially as we do partnership in missions, um, lots of you will never step foot in Comoros. You all are welcome. Come on, work with Pastor Brad. I will arrange the planes. You come. But most of you will never step foot there. Doesn't mean you can't have an impact there. Just through prayer, through giving, through, have, through, through just interceding on our behalf. Don't underestimate what you cannot see. Do not underestimate what you can't see. God is at work. Hallelujah. Farouk. Farouk comes to know the Lord. And he gets it. My wife said he's very unusual as a Camorian believer because He actually likes other people, which sounds silly and sounds funny, um, but he actually likes them. And you're like, huh. Well, in this culture, persecution is a major, major obstacle. You come to faith, you get persecuted. First at the family level, friend level, society level, uh, community level, and eventually government, police, whatever, whatever. He says, I just don't care about that. I would much rather my mom know about the Lord than for me to go through persecution. I would much rather know that my community comes to know the Lord than to be put in prison. So he says, I don't care if you're a spy or secret police. I would rather tell you the gospel and trust God to do what he wants to do. And I'll just take the consequences as they come. And he doesn't say that lightly, because the reality is there are consequences. But he says, no, I'm in. And so he's, he's, we're working with him. He's got this group he's leading. Um, everyone we talk to who is interested in faith, we then include him in the process. So, Comorians have a good Comorian friend, uh, or at least a Comorian who's a believer that they can identify with and walk through. And it's beautiful. But this guy knows. He knows it's not him, he knows it's the Lord. One day, this guy, again, He wasn't doing anything super spiritual, right? Sometimes we think only victories happen when we're super spiritual. This guy wasn't doing anything super spiritual. He walked into his mother's house, okay? I have done that a million times. Um, But he walks into his mother's house, and this is what happens. His mother is, like, basically in our language, she's a witch doctor. Like she's got power over the demonic. In this culture, they will pay you to curse people. They will pay you specifically with women. Grandmas pass on demons to to the the daughters, who pass it on to their daughters, and they just—it's their way of controlling the spiritual realm. And she's she's an artist in this. She has control, and she makes money doing this. She walks in full of her demonic power, or she's in the living room full of her demonic power. Her house, her territory, her demonic presence. Farouk walks in full of the Holy Spirit, not praying not reciting scripture, not waving a Bible around, just walks in and the mom just falls down. Boom. Just falls down. Looks around and is like, Farouk, what just happened? All my power is gone. All my demonic stuff has gone. She's like, Farouk, what happened? He's like, Mom, that's the Holy Spirit in me. He's way better than the demonic in you. And she's like, she was floored. Now she's a little angry because she lost her power and she lost her money. But she's, She's on a journey, and God, Farouk did nothing to do that. He just walked into the room. God pursues people. and We have story after story of people in Kamars who have had dreams. People who aren't interested in the gospel, Jesus shows up in their dreams, and they know it's Jesus. Every single believer we know has come to faith through some sort of power encounters, dream, vision, miracle. It's part of every single one of their faith journeys, and it's beautiful. But it reminds us we have a role God's the main person here. God's the one doing this thing. Um, But it's a privilege to be a part. Purpose. Our action, whether it's locally or globally, has to be rooted in purpose. We're not just doing it. We're not earning anything. We're doing this because it's an honor and a privilege to be part of what God is doing. Second is perspective. I love perspective because when you get married, like perspective changes dramatically. And as I go through life, I have a perspective and I'll walk home and be like, Steph, what did you think? She's like, I have a very different perspective on that. And you're like, okay, let's figure this out. Or or like, I've got kids. Like, my kids' perspectives are drastically different. Like, my eight-year-old and my five-year-old, they don't see anything the same. They went to school in Comoros. They go to school in French. They've never done school in English, okay? So all their schooling is French, which made homeschooling for my wife, who doesn't speak French, very, very difficult. But praise the Lord, that was not my job. Um, (laughs) My wife did a bang-up job with that, but that wasn't for me. Um, So she's homeschooling in a language she doesn't understand. But, so anyway, they they, they learn French in school. They come back to America for this year. They're going to school in English. Our eight-year-old is like... English, school, this is easy. Like, I got this. I can do it in French. I can do it in English. Our five-year-old, Nathan, English, school, I don't know English. I can't go to school in English. This is going to be terrible, okay? So same reality, same thing, but man, their perspective could not have been more off. They both love it. It's going good so far. Praise the Lord. But if you look in this text, the 10 spies and the 12 spies had very, very different perspectives. And friends, we are called to be the two. We are not called to be the ten, right? The two, Joshua and Caleb. That's who we want to be. We do not want to be the other ten. The other ten had a horrific perspective. But you look at it and you're like, they went on the same trip. They slept in the same places. They ate the same food. It says in the text they carried the fruit back. So they carried that. They risked the same risk. They sacrificed the same things. But their perspective led them to very different Proposals for what they should do with that, right? And so, look at it. Look at what they say. Um, Look at their perspective on the people. Okay, the ten. The people are strong. They live in big cities, and they're giants. The two. God is with us. Their protection is no more. Didn't matter how big they were. Didn't matter the, the the cities. Look at their perspective on themselves. The ten. We seemed like grasshoppers. They knew it. And we knew it. This is not good. Look at their pers- the two's perspective on selves. They are bread for us. Modern day translation, they are donuts. Like, we're going to devour these guys. This, we have this. Look at their perspective on fruit. The 10, the fruit is, I th- in, in this story, I literally re- think the fruit is just behind them. They're having this report. The fruit's there because it says they carried it back. I'm thinking grapes bigger than my head. Um... Here's the fruit. Who cares about the fruit? Remember the giants? The two. Here's the fruit. That's a just sign of what's to come. This is a sign of what's God doing. It's just a small taste of the goodness that we have to look forward to. Look at their perspective on the Lord. The 10. Why is God doing this? Elsewhere in Scripture, in Deuteronomy, it says, they actually say, why does God hate us? The two. The Lord is with us. The Lord delights in us. Let's go across the river. Perspective leads them to different courses. And obviously, right? Like, if you think the Lord is with you, you can do anything. Friends, the Lord is with us. If you think the Lord delights in you, you can do anything. Friends, the Lord delights in you. And don't just think the Lord delights at, well, yeah, the the Lord delights on me today because today I'm in church or today I made a good decision. That's not how the delight of the Lord works. As a parent, that's not how my delight goes over my kids I don't love it when they make bad decisions. And I feel for them because I can see the consequences coming. But man, I delight in them every single day. Friends, enjoy the fact that the creator of all of this delights in you in a very intimate and personal way. Not just this blanket delight, but this I know you, I choose you, I delight in you, and we're still together in this. Perspective matters. When you look at your life, if you say, Why, Lord? Why is a great question, but it's a bad camping place. Because I really feel like God doesn't mind when we ask Him, Why? God, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this? Why did this happen? I think God's fine with that. No issue. And sometimes He tells us, He tells us, but sometimes He doesn't. And if He doesn't tell us, do not camp there. Don't stay there, because that's where the devil gets in and says, God hates you. God's not for you. You're a fool, whatever it is the devil gets us to believe these lies. And these guys, these 10, believed the lies. I love the fact that in this, in this short text, both the 10 and the 2 recite the promise. So they knew it, right? They knew that this was the promised land. They say, this land flows with milk and honey. The 2, this land flows with milk and honey. Both knew it was the promise, but only one said, yeah, God, I'm, I'll take the promise. The other said, It costs too much. Friends, that's missions for us. Does it cost too much? Is it what God has for us? I think scripture clearly tells us that the nations and this nation is what God has for us to inherit. It's what God has for us to work towards. But some of us, based on our perspective, say, God, keep your promised land to yourself. It costs too much. My wife and I, The easiest decision we ever made in missions was to go. And I'm not lying. That was very, very easy. We made a decision a long time ago to get on a plane, and then we didn't even have the decision to get off the plane. They actually kick you off if you try to stay on it. Like, that wasn't even our choice. You got on it. You are getting off one way or the other. So, like, we didn't even have to make that decision. The hardest decision we have to make is every single day just choosing to follow Jesus. It's the same decision you guys have every single day in every situation. Will I honor God? Will I not? Will I follow him? Will I not? Will I make time for him? Will I not? It's the same thing with us. We just do it in Camorras. You guys do it in Hartford. It's the same thing. What is our perspective? Because our perspective leads us to different areas. Guys, perspective gives us the courage. If you know that God is with you, Every second of every day, you can decide differently. You can take on different tasks or different battles. If you have hope, I love that these, the two said, the land is exceedingly good, and we are well able to take it. That's a totally different perspective. Whatever promised land God has for you, it is exceedingly good, and you are well able to take it. And, and, and uh, we all have eternity, right? That's one of the things we get with following Jesus. We get eternity with him. And it's beautiful. That's a promised land. The nations are a promised land. But I think you guys all have promised lands. I think there's things that God wants to give you, that he wants you to inherit, that he wants you to take possession of. But you just have to say, yes, Lord, you're with me, and so I'm going to do it. I don't understand it. I can't put all the dots together. I can't see exactly where the journey leads. But I know there's a promised land, and I know you have for it. You have, a, you have it for me. We've got a friend named Zamil. Zamil came, he was one of these six Muslims who came to the door during our time of prayer. And he learns about Jesus. Then he kind of gets busy with life and he disappears. One night, Zamil has a dream. In his dream, he sees Jesus. Jesus is the most kind, loving, compassionate person ever. And Zamil says, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going around and I'm cleansing people. He's like, do you want to be cleansed? He's like, I do. What does that mean? He's like, when you get up, find out. So Zamil gets up. He knew a missionary couple, some people on our team had moved into his neighborhood. He wakes up. He goes right to their house. He says, you need to tell me about Jesus. They're like, okay. He walks in, explains the dream. Explains the dream. In full. After one hour of conversation, Zamil gives his life to the Lord. It was beautiful. But guys, I think it's a great picture of how missions works. Jesus has to show up. Jesus has to do it, Right? But also, it took the missionaries having that Christian identity. So when Jesus showed up, he knew, Zamil knew where to go. He knew where to find answers about Jesus. That's true of you guys in, work, in your workplace, in your families, in your communities. People, we need to be known as people who follow Jesus. We don't hit people with the scripture, but we love people and we're ready to make time for people as, they, as Jesus pursues them. The other thing I think is great is, and I can't connect this dot, and Pastor Brad already talked about, it, the prayer. The prayers of the saints, the prayers of the church, I think they are directly tied to us seeing Muslims have dreams. I think when you guys pray, Muslims across the world, in Comoros, for example, have dreams. You will never be able to connect those dots, this side of eternity, every once in a while maybe, but I think it's beautiful. Do not underestimate the impact you guys can have just by praying. Guys, we do missions together. We partner together, and some of that is giving. Some of that is, Pastor Brad's talking about these faith pledges. That's how we survive. It's how we survive. It's how we put food on the table and clothes. It's how our kids go to school. You, that, that, whatever gift you guys make, and we understand it's a sacrifice. Because my wife and I aren't, aren't, aren't uh, we do that as well. We've sacrificed some of our money. And we say, all right, what missionaries are we going to support? It's how we do it together. Pray. We've got prayer cards. We have a prayer card. Pastor Brad showed you for ourselves. We also have four others. Farouk and Zamil are on there, and then these two other ladies who are my wife's best friends who haven't yet come to faith. And we're just going around handing these out to as many people so people will pray for them, believing that these two women will come to faith this year. Not even while we're in Comoros. That this year, while we're going around asking people to pray, that that fruit will be there, and we can directly tie it to the prayers of the church and to God showing up where we couldn't show up. Guys, we can't, we are you. We are you. We have different roles to play in missions. That's not a bad thing. We do it together. God has not asked you to do what he's asked us to do, but he has asked all of us to be part. Every single one of us. And we're asking our, these Camorian believers to be part. We're asking them, before they even follow Jesus, we're asking them to share what they know about Jesus. And you're like, Why? We want them to know right from the beginning that the gospel never stops with them. Gospel never stops with us. Everyone has a role to play. Can I pray? Father God, I thank you and I praise you. You are good and you are loving and you are gracious. And Jesus, you want this nation and you want all the nations. And Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to steward our energy and our time and our finances and our prayer well so that you receive what is yours. Jesus, thank you for your essence place. Thank you for what you're doing here and in this community and in the lives of each person. Lord, your, your heart for the nations does not in any way devalue your heart for the individual, but Lord, it all plays together. And it is our honor and privilege to get, play the role that you have for us, Jesus. Help us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Stephanie, would you join us? I want to pray for them as well. And Justin, if you go back into their slides, there's a picture of their kids there too. So the kids are over hanging out with the, the kids on the other side. But um, I, want, I want to take a moment and will you stand and let's pray for them. And then I have some final instructions for us before we leave this morning. But I thank you, just both of you, for sharing your heart so fully. And I think one of the things that I think moves us the most is when we see people who desperately love Jesus and just say yes to Jesus and we live it out daily. We talk about that all the time here at Ask this Place, how there's the big yes, yeah but then there's the daily, sometimes hourly, minute to minute saying yes to Jesus. So would you just extend a hand toward them as though you're putting a hand on their shoulder? And let's just pray for the woods right now. God, I thank you for what you are doing all around this globe. God, I thank you, Jesus, that as you spun all of creation into motion, you desperately loved your creation. God, I thank you that you, by your Holy Spirit, are renewing and transforming lives all around this world. God, I thank you for what happens through our church, but I thank you, God, for also what is happening in other... Their places, God, our hearts have been moved today for the people of Comoros. We thank you for the woods and their family being willing to serve in that place and honor you in the small things and in the big things. I pray, God, that as they're in a season now of raising support and prayer and finance, God, that you would move the hearts of individuals to open themselves to you, your work, God, to trust you, to take steps of faith, to make commitments, to pray and pray often and regularly, to give and give often and regularly. I pray, God, that um, you would provide in supernatural ways for the woods, Lord, that you would protect them from um, just top to bottom, Lord, that you would keep their family safe and whole and healthy. God, I pray that you would meet every need and then you would um, exceed beyond even their needs and expectations. Lord, I thank you, God, for what you are doing in Comoros and today. God, we lift the people of that island to you. I pray, Jesus, that um, even now, Lord, that you would be moving and working by the power of your Holy Spirit. Jeffrey said it well, that you would work in those, those moments of dreams, God, that you would come to people in unexpected ways, that you would open hearts to the curiosity of who you are. God, I thank you the scriptures remind us that through you, Jesus Christ, the invisible God was made seen. And God, you continue to do that every day through us, your people. As you fill us with your Holy Spirit, you make yourself evident and seen to others around us. God, would you continue to do that? And we pray all of this in the name of
2: Jesus. Amen.